Hey everyone, this is Will, and today I'm going to be talking with you about liver test abnormalities. So we're going to jump right in and go really quick with this. So number one, what are we measuring when we're talking about uh, liver enzymes and function tests? So what are those things that we're measuring? So the thing is, is that a lot of people, when they say liver function tests, they actually mean the enzymes and the function tests. They mean everything. Um, there is a difference, though. So uh, the function tests are actually just albumin and uh, PTINR, or your prothrombin time. Uh, and the enzymes that you measure are your aminotransferases. That's AST and ALT, or aspartate aminotransferase and alanine aminotransferase. Um, your alkaline phosphatase, uh, sometimes just called ALKFOS your gamma glutamyl transpeptidase, or your GGT. Uh, there's also uh, lactate dehydrogenase, or LDH, as well as a 5-prime nucleotidase. Um, those I don't see as often on tests, um, but they can be used in certain circumstances. Okay? So what are some patterns that we can see uh, in elevated liver tests? Well, we can see a hepatocellular pattern or a cholestatic pattern, speaking broadly. So what would you see in a hepatocellular pattern? So a hepatocellular pattern of damage would be an uh, elevated ALT and AST um, out of proportion to the uh, ALK-FOS. So in contrast, a cholestatic pattern would be an ALK-FOS that is disproportionately elevated compared to the ALT and AST. So we'll first review a hepatocellular pattern of injury. So the first thing that I look at is the AST and ALT ratio. So if the AST and ALT ratio is greater than 2 to 1, that suggests alcoholic liver disease, okay? Especially if the GGT is elevated as well, all right? Um, and then the next thing I would look at is how much the enzymes are actually elevated. So I set a sort of arbitrary limit in my head, and it, it just it works well enough. Um, but a limit of about 500, anything greater than 500 suggests to me that this is an acute process or an acute flare-up of a chronic process. Um, anything less than 500 but is elevated suggests that this is either chronic or it's just a benign transient uh, elevation in enzymes. So we'll start with liver enzymes or the AST, ALT elevated greater than 500, suggesting an acute process. If the elevation is really high, like above 5,000 or at least in the thousands, this suggests a panhepatic process. So something like an ischemia, um, severe uh, drug overdose, like acetaminophen toxicity, as well as uh, rhabdomyolysis, uh, fulminant hepatitis, and then even heat stroke. To evaluate AST and ALT greater than 500, you're likely going to need an acetaminophen level, a tox screen, hepatitis A, B, and C serology, and a transabdominal ultrasound to check for Bud-Chiari syndrome. So this is actually where the lactate dehydrogenase can come into play. Um, if you are wondering if this is maybe a fulminant hepatitis versus a drug overdose versus a uh, ischemic process, you can get a lactate dehydrogenase. You can actually get the liver isoenzyme. And lactate dehydrogenase, when elevated, suggests an ischemic process. And if none of that comes back positive, uh, you can go ahead and look for autoimmune markers, uh, particularly looking for autoimmune hepatitis. Another thing to consider is that if, if this is a female in her childbearing years, you'll want to get a pregnancy test. She could potentially be going through HELP syndrome, which is your hemolysis, elevated liver enzymes, and low platelets syndrome. 
So let's go with like a mild to moderate uh, elevation of liver enzymes, something less than 500 but still elevated. This is likely going to be a chronic problem. It could be um, just a transient elevation uh, that just sort of goes away, um, but we'll consider that this is this is something that's actually real and is going on. So in general, most of the time, these are going to be alcoholic liver disease or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Okay, we're still likely going to get uh, a certain number of tests. So um, for your alcoholic fatty liver disease, that comes mostly from history. Other things on our differential include hepatitis B and C, as well as hemochromatosis. So for hepatitis B and C, we'll get serology. And for hemochromatosis, we'll get a serum iron and transferrin. If those numbers are off, then we'll go ahead and get a ferritin. To check for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, um, if those labs are negative, you can go ahead and get a transabdominal ultrasound and check to see if you have fatty infiltrate of the liver. Now, if all of those things come back negative and the patient has a history of alcohol use, you can go ahead and assume alcoholic liver disease. So, for both acute and chronic uh, liver elevations, or mild to moderate or severe elevations in AST and ALT, um, some things that you can work up if those things come back negative. You can go ahead and check for your autoimmune hepatitis. You can look for uh, alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. You can also check for Wilson's disease by getting a ceruloplasmin. If you suspect rhabdo, a creatinine kinase and an aldolase might be a good idea. All right, let's talk about a cholestatic pattern of elevated liver test. So that, again, is where the ALK-FOS is elevated disproportionately compared to the AST and ALT. So the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that this is actually coming from the liver because ALK-FOS can be elevated in bone pathology and in biliary pathologies. So how would you confirm that this is actually coming from the liver? So you can check the GGT or you can also check the 5' nucleotidase. If either of those are elevated, that pretty much confirms that this is actually coming from the liver and not from the bones. Once you've confirmed that this is coming from the liver, you need to check if the cholestasis is extrahepatic or intrahepatic. How would you go about doing that? So I would start with an ultrasound of the abdomen. On ultrasound, you can see dilations of the biliary tree or even sometimes a stone or perhaps like a pancreatic head cancer that's obstructing. And so if you see a mass or a stone or those dilations, that suggests an extrahepatic process. If on ultrasound a stone or mass or stricture is confirmed, you can go ahead and treat with ERCP by stenting or removing the stone. If the ultrasound is equivocal, you can get an MRCP or even a CT uh, or even a uh, endoscopic ultrasound. All right, if instead this is an intrahepatic process, most of the diagnosis is going to come from the history. However, you can also get an anti-mitochondrial antibody, the ANA, and an anti-smooth muscle uh, antibody to check to see if you have any sort of primary biliary cholangitis. Now, if none of that comes back positive, you can do an MRCP to check for strictures, um, which would suggest a primary sclerosing cholangitis. You might also want to consider some viral testing, um, and then uh, you could also get a pregnancy test in young females, uh, because if they're pregnant, this could potentially be a benign cholestasis of pregnancy. Finally, let's talk about some other elevations. So what if you have an isolated elevation in bilirubin?
So the first thing that I would do is ask, is this an isolated elevation in conjugated bilirubin or unconjugated bilirubin? In an adult, it'll probably be an elevation in unconjugated bilirubin, and this will likely suggest a uh, disorder of hemolysis. Now, this could be due to a genetic disease such as G6PD or glucose-6-phosphate dehydrogenase deficiency, as well as um, potentially like your pyruvate kinase um, or sickle cell anemia, spherocytosis, things like that. However, this is more likely going to be due to an acquired process, such as a microangiopathic hemolytic anemia or other disease. You can easily check for a hemolytic process by checking for a haptoglobin level or an LDH. So let's say that this is not a hemolytic process. What are two syndromes that can cause an isolated elevation in unconjugated bilirubin? So you have Gilbert syndrome and Kriegler-Najjar. Which one is the worst one? Kriegler in a jar. So the way I remember it is the one with two names is always worse in this. Okay, so let's go on to the conjugated hyperbilirubinemia. So what are two syndromes that can cause this? So that's Rotor and Dubin-Johnson. Again, the two name one is the worst one, Dubin-Johnson, which can have the black liver on biopsy. Finally, you can get abnormalities in your albumin and your PT-INR. So if you have decreased albumin or an elevated PT or INR, this suggests a decrease in liver function. So these are your true liver function tests. And so if you see those problems, this almost always suggests potentially a liver cirrhosis, though they can be abnormal in other pathologies. All right, quick review. So what is a hepatocellular pattern of elevated liver tests? That is a disproportionately elevated ALT and AST compared to the ALK-FOS, and the opposite is true for a cholestatic pattern. Okay, so what would suggest an alcoholic liver disease based on AST and ALT alone? So that would be an AST and ALT ratio greater than 2 to 1, especially if GGT is elevated. All right, so what does an elevation in liver enzymes greater than 500 suggest? This suggests an acute process and less than 500, a chronic process. So what are some of those acute processes? So you might get fulminant hepatitis. You could get a drug overdose, like acetaminophen overdose. You could also get an ischemia, rhabdomyolysis, as well as heat stroke. Um, some of the chronic diseases. So the big ones are alcoholic liver disease, chronic hepatitis B or C, hemochromatosis, as well as non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Some of the rarer ones include your autoimmune hepatitis, Wilson's disease, and alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. If you have a pregnant patient, consider HELP syndrome. What is the first thing you do when you have an elevated ALK-FOS? Confirm that it is biliary and check a GGT or a 5' nucleotidase. What's the next thing you're going to do? You can check to see if it's extrahepatic or intrahepatic by doing an ultrasound. All right, well, that concludes this episode on liver test abnormalities. I hope it will guide you in your clinical decision-making, uh, both during your rotations during third year as well as on the test. Hopefully, this will just help you to understand kind of your algorithms of where you want to go next uh, in terms of testing, but also so that you can see the way that the test makers are thinking. All right, I've been Will. And until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and keep on learning.
Hey, I just wanted to say thanks to everyone for listening. And just to remind you that this content is for educational purposes only. So it is not to be used to replace a healthcare provider in making clinical decisions. I also want to give credit to Broke for Free, who wrote this song entitled Night Owl. Please contact me if you have any questions at mededpodcast at gmail.com. That's mededpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>